like it. She's been fooling about with it for a few months now. Very delicate. It's a, it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. Yeah, well, it's part of a, uh, a trilogy, really, a musical trilogy that I'm doing in D minor, which I always find is really the saddest of all keys, really. I don't know why, but it makes people weep instantly to play a... It's a horn part. It's very pretty. You know, just simple lines intertwining. You know, very much like I'm really influenced by Mozart and Bach, and it's sort of in between though. It's really, it's like a Mach piece, really. It's, what do you call this? Well, this piece is called uh, "Lick My Love Pump." Let's go on. Hi, everyone. I'm Regan. And I'm Jeff. And this is Man and Femme Criterion Commentaries. A cinematic journey through the Criterion Collection. <laughs> Today we are looking at spine number 12. This is Spinal Tap, directed by Rob Reiner. In 1984. And it stars Christopher Guest, Michael McKeon, and Harry Shearer as Spinal Tap. And we were talking earlier about how it's really too bad that Criterion didn't figure out a way to make this spine number 11 instead of spine number 12. It just seems perfect. I don't know why they, they messed that whole thing up. Seventh Seal could have been 12. Or, you know, not. It's a good movie. It needs to be there. <laughs> just kidding. So it's a mockumentary. It's a rock mockumentary. I don't even know what to say about this. It's just, it's funny. It's good. I'm sure it was like nothing else that had ever been done before. It wasn't very popular when it was released. Oh, I'm sure. It wasn't you know? until until later that it really kind of grew. I can see that. I'm sure people went in thinking that it was an actual rockumentary about an actual band, and then when they found out that it was all a joke, they were probably pretty pissed off. Either that or they just didn't get it. That's I bet I bet this this had a hard sell. But that doesn't surprise me at all. No, I think it was it became one of the first like midnight movies where places would show it at midnight and people would come and see it, kind of like Rocky Horror Picture Show and Eraserhead. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it it's like total like crappy heavy metal guys way over the hill still trying to be relevant. I don't know if they were way over the hill. Probably well, I mean, they kept sh- no. They kept showing them how like they'd started in the fifties as like a kind of rock band, Wasn't and then the sixties. They were like a turtles like band. Maybe the sixties, but I would assume in the sixties. The then they ended up being like well, cause the, psychedelic after that. The Beatles didn't come out until like nineteen sixty four, so I'm assuming it's probably the sixties. Well, excuse me. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the 50s was the big bopper and... Buddy Holly. Yeah. And they were more like the Turtles, so I would say they're probably in the 60s. I think that's the band that they were making fun of, was the Turtles. Or a band similar to the Turtles, because there were a lot of them around at the time. Um, well, Rob Reiner, Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer all share credit <laughs> for writing the movie, even though it's mostly ad-libbed and they just kind of rough sketched out the storyline. It was, evidently there was like hours of footage of like subplots that didn't make it into the movie and like more jokes. and. Well, isn't that the majority of the band though? And then the one guy who played the director? 
Yeah, and that's then, credited for writing the movie. Yeah, just well, that makes the only sense. person is that's not involved with the writing is the, the drummer. Oh, it's the drummer. Because the drummers the drummer kept, kept dying. dying. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I'm sure it was probably one of the first movies that was completely ad libbed too, or or pretty much ad libbed. Yeah, I don't know about that. Maybe. I don't know. I thought it was funny that one of the ways that the drummers died was he choked on somebody else's vomit, but they didn't know whose who's it was because there was no way to dust for vomit. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Plus, there's a lot of really pretty interesting guest appearances. Mm-hmm. Billy Crystal's in it. Angelica Houston. Who's the annoying lady from the... Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher is in it. Playing herself as the nanny. Yep. Pretty much. Um, and the dude from uh, Letterman, Letterman's band leader guy. What's mm-hmm. his name? I can never remember, but he played Artie Fufkin, and he like totally messed up their promotional tour. He was the one who was like, kick my ass. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, kick my ass. I think your favorite part was the miniature Stonehenge. No, my favorite part is the bread that's too small for the bologna, and then he like... Can't figure can't out, figure how, out how to. He's work. like, you, you're gonna fold it, or like you, you can't fold it because see, it just it doesn't work. Because I think, I don't know if that part specifically, but I'm wondering when band writers started coming out. Probably after this time, but maybe not. You never know. I wonder if that was. No, but when you fold it, it breaks. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. I mean, there were just a ton of funny things in this movie. Like, a ton of funny little one-liners. Um, and actually, like, really good music. Like, the music that they wrote. It was catchy. Yeah, it's really catchy. Like, Tonight I'm Gonna Rock It. That's a really good song. Um, big bottoms. Yeah. Big bottoms. Talk about mud flaps. My girl's got them. Yeah. Or I loved, like, since you mentioned the Stonehenge. Henge. <sighs> can't even say it. Since you mentioned that part, um, there was a part where <laughs> the manager was talking to the guy who created the Stonehenge, and he said, making a big thing out of it would have been a good idea. And I thought that was just a really funny line. I thought Angelica Houston was the person who created it. I and that they had fucked up and wrote inches instead of feet on their napkin drawing, and yeah. that's why she made it so small. Well, yeah, and she said, "I don't, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it or something." And he says, "Making a big deal out of it would have been a good idea." I just thought that was funny. There's also like a weird relationship struggle when Michael McKeon's girlfriend shows up, Janine, where clearly she's like the Yoko Ono character, but at the same time, the other guitarist Nigel seems to be in love with Michael McKeon. Since they've been best friends since childhood, and he's like jealous of her. Yeah. Well, also if you notice, the two of them constantly like have cold sores at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, clearly this whole thing just kind of set up Christopher Guest's entire career in all the movies that he's directed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very similar. Yeah. And a mighty wind is actually the folk band that they would dress up as and play concerts, opening up for Spinal Tap. And get booed off the stage by people going to see Spinal Tap not knowing that they were the same exact people. Which I think is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I know your favorite part was when his girlfriend made him that, that sweatshirt with all the stars and the planets on it that he was embarrassed to wear in front of the other band members. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Or when they came out of the cocoons. 
And the, the bassist couldn't get out. And then he finally gets out at the end of the song and everyone goes back into their cocoon and then he can't get back in. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny when they were interviewing him about their past and they were talking about the albums that they had produced and there was one called Shark Sandwich. And he goes, well, it didn't get reviewed very well. It was actually a really short review. The review just said Shit Sandwich. I feel like there was another person, like, because Billy Crystal was the mime serving food, but I feel like there was another famous person that was... The other mime. Yeah, but I can't remember who it was. It was Dana Carvey. Ah, that's right. And evidently, a lot of bands from around this time thought that this was based on them, because they, like Ozzy Osbourne said that Black Sabbath had gotten lost trying to get on stage before at a concert venue and couldn't figure out how to find the stage for a really long time. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that bands would think that cuz I'm sure a lot of this was taken from stuff that has happened. Like you got to I don't know, were any of these people in a band before they wrote Spinal Tap or was it just completely I random? They're just all comedians and this was just the musical part just kind of played into their comedy. Hmm. And I feel like there's a sequel to this movie too. Yeah. There's a, there, I think there's another Spinal Tap movie. I haven't seen it, but and I don't know if it picks up from where they left off when the band disintegrated and then suddenly they were they had like a number seven hit in Japan and they ended up reforming to go play in Japan. And then they were big in Japan. Totally big in Japan. Kind of have a good time all the time written down. What was that? I don't know because I also have it's such a fine line between stupid and clever written down. Or I have how more black could this be? None. None more black. None more black. Oh, about the album cover? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. It was like every move that they made just was a terrible, terrible move. Mm-hmm. It also kills me that they there's that scene where he's playing that beautiful piano piece, and Rob Reiner's character is like, oh, that's, that's gorgeous. What do you call it? And he's like, lick my love pumper in B-flat major. Do you remember how when the band was falling apart, the bassist and the main guy, Michael McKean's character, were like, well, this is great. This is the best thing ever. Now we can finally do all the things that we've always wanted to do. Like the Jack the Ripper musical that we've always wanted to do called Saucy Jack. (laughs) (laughs) I really wish someone would have done that. They might have for all we know. I would actually go watch that. Saucy Jack? Yeah. I would seriously... Go watch it. It'd probably be better than Sweeney Todd, and I'd, I'd like it. Let's talk about Spinal Tap. I know, but there's just not a whole lot to say about this movie. I mean, it's really funny. It's really short, though. It's like 80 minutes. Yeah, and it influenced, I'm sure, people like Flight of the Concords, which is a total little spoof similar to this. But other than that, like, unless we, like, get in depth into the meaning behind things and... I don't think there's... I I think it's just supposed to be funny. I mean, it's really pretty witty. And Mm -hmm. for an improv story, an improv dialogue, it's funny. I would love to see the stuff that didn't make it in. I haven't watched any of the extras on the DVD, but... I listened to the commentary of them in character commenting on their own film, which was pretty funny. According to them, everybody in it is dead. What else should we say? I don't know what else there is to say. You can kind of see how it maybe took a little bit from Don't Look Back, the Bob Dylan documentary by Pennebaker. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really seen a lot of other pre-80s music documentaries 
to really, I mean, other than the Beatles stuff, but that's, those are fiction films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really fun. Definitely deserved to be in here more than Hard Boiled did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's still, well, there's probably a reason Hard Boiled's out of print. Although this one's out of print, too. It's not in the, you can't get it in the collection anymore. Huh. They lost the rights to it. Well, I mean, that makes that makes sense. They probably only get the rights to movies for a certain amount of time. So I understand that. But, I mean, you can still buy this movie in yeah. the store. Well, thanks for listening. Sorry about the delay and the little gap in between our podcasts. The flu kind of ravished us a little bit. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. And Regan's phone number is 612. <laughs> for a good time. Call Text. Jeff Iblings. But don't send any DPs. You know what I'm talking about. Bye, guys! Jesus. Stonehenge, where the demons dwell, where the banshees live and they do live well. Stonehenge, where a man is a man and the children dance to the pipes of time.